1: You're with primetime on Money FM 89.3. Bharati Jagdish and Timothy go with you. And now it's time for powering your property. We bring you the latest in property sector news and updates. We'll be talking a little bit more about condo resale prices in just a while. But first, the Ministry of Finance, you would have noticed a few days ago, announced that any transfer of residential property into a living trust will now be subject to an additional buyer stamp duty or ABSD of 35%.
0: And will this new ABSD rule on living trusts impact private housing markets? We will find out now from Nicholas Mack, the head of research and consultancy at ERA Realty Network, joining us uh, this afternoon on the phones. Good afternoon, Nicholas. Good afternoon. So, Nicholas, uh, the recent announcement by the Ministry of Finance on the ABSD, that's the additional buyer's stamp duty, of 35%, which will be slapped on any transfer of residential property into a living trust where the transfer occurs well before yesterday so what is the impetus for this move
2: well i think um the main uh, impetus for this move is that the government has actually been tightening the cooling measures and the most recent tightening well discounting a few days ago was in december last year so in, in a way we can see this as a continuation of the tightening of the cooling measures i, I think the as the government increased the additional buyer stamp duty, the EBSD payable by Singaporeans and PR and foreigners buying their second and subsequent properties, the incentive to look for ways, legal ways, to try to save on the tax payable uh, it gets higher. So one of the methods is for people to actually buy properties through a trust, let's say they put their children's name as a beneficiary under the trust and their children might be under the age of 21 years old um, and uh, legally they cannot buy property but the trust put them as a beneficiary so in the way they are using the trust to buy the property and if if their child is a Singaporean they don't have to pay ABSD. So that was the rule before Monday.
1: Mm. The thing is, Nicholas, such trust purchases are usually made by well healed families with healthy cash flow. So this wouldn't really act as a deterrent, would it?
2: Well, it wouldn't because for people who buy real estate, residential real estate under a the trust, they will not be able to take a bank loan. And uh, most normal people will go to the bank to borrow money to buy a property. So they will have to pay all the, the entire price of the property up front with cash so yes they, they tend to be used by the more wealthy families
0: all right so nicholas the the impact though of of this absd on the overall the bigger picture for the residential property market mm-hmm. what do you think we should be looking uh, looking at looking looking uh, forward to
2: well, I think that this latest announcement has uh, gotten the property market a bit excited, but mm-hmm. uh, we, we must bear in mind the number of buyers who, uh, or the percentage of buyers who actually use trust to buy properties are actually in the minority. I, I would okay. estimate them to be less than 10%. And furthermore, some of them could be using it to buy quite expensive properties. all, so if you want to go through all this trouble, you, you wouldn't be using it to buy something that's like less than a million dollars. So as a result uh i think that now that the government has kind of closed this uh in the way make it more expensive for people to use trust to buy real estate um the impact on the market uh there will be some but it's not going to be very big because to start off with not a lot of people are using trust to buy mm. properties mm.
1: so that's the thing you know some people are saying oh this change is sort of a wealth tax to make things more equitable but really it's so insignificant in the larger scheme of things isn't it in
2: a way it is and it is true is to make things a bit more uh, equitable uh, in, in, in some ways but but if you look at it in a way what some of these families are doing um, you know um, putting their children's name in the trust is to bring forward the purchase so if let's say the child is are 18 years old and they have to wait three more years before he or she can legally buy a property. They are buying the property three years in advance. Mm. The impact on the market is not going to be very great because not a lot of people does that. But I guess right now, they just have to wait, like the rest of us, <laughs> mm. to, to buy the property.
1: Yeah, Nicholas, I was talking to a few people about this and we said, hey, why was this loophole even present in the first place? Why was it there? Well,
2: um, because when the government came up with the ABS, before the, the, the ABS-C came into being, um, such Trust was used for other purposes, like for example, uh, as a form of inheritance to create a legacy for some of these uh, rich people so that they can pass on their mm. wealth to the next generation and so on. So it wasn't used, it wasn't thought of the, as a mechanism to try to save on the ABSD. Mm. But since the government has been progressively increasing the ABSD with every subsequent round of cooling measures, the incentive to use other means uh, becomes more to save on the tax um, increases. People have tried decoupling husband and wife, you know, they decouple their assets so that they can buy a second property. And uh, now, some of them, and using trust has also become common among some families.
1: Hey, Nicholas, since we are talking about loopholes, right, are there any other <laughs> loopholes that you think need to be addressed here? I mean, which ones do you think um, need to be addressed most urgently?
2: I, I think that this using of trust has been something that's been around for close to a decade now, uh, ever since the ABSD uh, has come into being. And now that the government has done this well, they, they have already uh, closed the loopholes about using sh- transfer of company shares companies that owns predominantly real estate, I, I think it's, a lot of it has been closed off. Mm. Uh, right now, the only other thing is actually decoupling. But if the government were to close off that one, I, I think it, it will make a lot of people rather unhappy.
0: We are talking to Nicholas Muck, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Realty Network. If you're just joining us right now, we are talking, of course, about the latest developments in the property market here in Singapore. So news out today, Nicholas, Uh Condo resale prices up for the 21st straight month uh, in the month of April, but transactions are down slightly. So any surprises there for you?
2: Um, no, not really. I think that condo resale prices rising is... Um, actually a continuation of what has been happening, but partly because the, the economy is on a very even heel, and I think with the opening of the borders easing of our COVID restrictions we could see more foreigners coming to Singapore. People also feel a bit more confident. I think it's a sense of confidence that things are going back to normal and that leads some people to be uh, uh, more confident in their home buying plans. At the same time, the HDB resale market has been very robust uh, has been very healthy, and uh, some people are selling their HDB flats to upgrade to condominiums. Those are some of the reasons why we see this um, steady rise in condominium resale prices.
1: Here's the thing though, Nicholas, every time prices rise, yes, some people mm. will celebrate, others will cry, and then mm-hmm. there will be the question of, do we need even more cooling measures? <laughs> right? This is like a common refrain in Singapore. Where, where do you stand on this? Where do you think things are going to go?
2: Well, I think we have to take things um, in perspective. On one hand, the price of petrol has basically increased by 50%, and there is no signs that it's coming down anytime soon. Uh, inflation is in the air. Everything is getting more expensive. Even the price of eggs and choice sum is going up. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Like, should, shouldn't the government be looking at cooling measures to bring down the cost of living? Um, because <laughs> yes, property good point. prices... Yes, yeah. property prices. Now the property prices are measured in nominal terms. That means um, they, they we have not less off the, the cost of inflation, and inflation in the way is also helped um, contributing to the rise in property prices in the in terms of the rising cost of construction, mm-hmm. the rising cost of labour, uh, energy, and so on. That that's used to that you need to put in to replace uh, the, the home when, when it is demolished and reconstructed. So all this is actually adding on to the cost of real estate. It is very difficult to bring down um, the, the cost of properties and not tackle inflation at the same time.
1: Mm. So in a nutshell, what do you think the government should be doing at this point?
2: I think the most important thing is to make sure that there's affordable housing for those who cannot afford to buy private properties. In other words, uh, we need to have affordable housing, especially for first-time home buyers, and to make it very accessible to them. In other, uh, and I think the government is already doing that. They, they give priorities in all the BTO exercises. Mm. Uh, and the government is, um, I think, trying their best to hold down the price of uh, BTO flats in, in the face of rising construction costs. Um, I think they're trying their very, very best even for, for HDB flats. They are in the prime locations to make sure they don't cross that uh, 800000 or $900,000 for a three-bedroom uh, mm. HDB flats.
1: Mm. Yet uh, we I have think- seen some million-dollar four-room HDB flats at the pinnacle, <laughs> for instance. The yes, thing is, Nicholas, but, in mm-hmm. recent times, we have seen some steps towards making housing more equitable and inclusive. So... There was the prime location public housing model, now the whole news on the ABSD for trusts and things like that. So, how do you think this can move forward? How do you think this can be developed? And, of course, tell us what you think of those million-dollar HDB flats and how that can be curtailed.
2: I'm not sure if we can um, be curtailed because as the gap between uh, mass-market condominiums and HDB flats begin to widen, because right now to buy a decent uh, three-bedroom mass-market condominium, even a 99-year leasehold one, uh, one needs a budget of at least $1.3 to $1.5 million. So there's a gap. And that gap actually will um, is like a vacuum. You will pull up the prices of... HDB, a very good HDB five-room flats in in good locations. So the, the presence of million-dollar flats is something that's here to stay. Uh, as long as the prices of mass-market condominiums continue to rise, so are the prices of very good and popular hdb
0: flats all right nicholas thank you very much for sharing your insights with us uh, this afternoon here on a prime time nicholas Mach, their head of research and consultancy at era realty network with us stand by the news is coming up now to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app that's a w e d i o available on google play or the app store